and now the Street Photography Magazine podcast with your host, Bob Patterson. Uh, welcome back to the Street Photography Magazine podcast. And got a special guest with us today, Craig Litton. And you're probably wondering about the music, the intro music. It's a little bit different. And that's because of our subject matter today. Uh, you may remember Craig. He's, he was on, well, we featured him many years ago in the magazine. And he was on with us early in the year, early in 2021, uh, talking about monochrome. And then he taught a monochrome black and white class for us, which went over really well. Trying to get him to do another one, but he's too busy working. But Craig's a commercial photographer, former photojournalist. He's in Florida, so he's always out in the sun. So, Craig, welcome. Hey, thanks Bob. For, thanks very much. I'm honored to be here. Yeah, well, thanks for coming. Before we get into to why why we're talking today, why don't you just tell everybody a little bit about yourself, how you got into photography, how you got to where you are now, which is basically a street photo master. <laughs> You're a master. Just well, thanks, Bob. I uh, accept I, it. I've been doing street street photography um, before I knew it was called street photography, actually, back in the 80s, and which kind of dates me. Um, I was young then, though. <laughs> and uh, I've always been fascinated with uh, photographing people, and that, that, that led to a career in photojournalism, um, and which was, uh, you know, pretty much shooting everything. But I always kept, always kept a camera with me, always photographed and, and uh, on my spare time and always did personal work. And, and that's where the street photography continued. And uh, in Florida, the streets are pretty much the beaches. So that's, if you want to find the people in Florida, especially in the, in the hot months, which is most of the year, you got to go to the beaches. So um, I've been photographing on exclusively on the beaches since May of 2006, actually late uh, Memorial day, uh, 2006, I started a book project, which desperately needs to be edited, but, um, pretty much photographed on every beach in Florida. And I, right now I'm mostly on in South Florida. So I stay on the beaches uh, near my home, but, uh, I'll be traveling this week to a, a beach in central Florida, um, to, to see what, what, what I can find. But, and after that, uh, photojournalism kind of led into a career in advertising and commercial photography, which is really, um, the essential way to survive as a, a photographer. Photojournalism is hard to make it these days. So, that's where I'm at now, but I still street shoot with small cameras and, uh, you can find me on the beaches. On the beach because worst places to be. That's right. <laughs> Just wear plenty of sunscreen. Yes. Always sunscreen. Yeah. Beach street, whatever. I, uh, did a thing with the street photography collective out in Hawaii and Honolulu. And that's where they have to shoot. I mean, Oh, Honolulu really? is a, yeah, Honolulu is a big huh. city, but there's not much going on. And then you just walk off the sidewalk onto the beach. There's Waikiki, and it's crazy. Wow. They do a lot of really good stuff, I got to say. I've noticed LFI Magazine doesn't really um, categorize beach shots for street photography. <laughs> so <laughs> I can't get selected for my street photography. They don't know what to do with it. And they put it in coastline or whatever. I have not. Yeah, uh, and that's sure. mostly landscaping. So yeah, it's funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, they need to start a new category for us um, beach dwellers. Yeah, maybe they will. Maybe they listen. Everybody listens to this podcast. I'm sure they're you know they've got their ear glued to their 
iPhone as we speak. That's great. Glad to hear that. So the reason for the the different intro music and the reason Craig's on is uh, we were exchanging emails uh, recently, and uh, I was I was asking about zone focusing, and I'm trying to to zone focus more, uh, you know, as opposed to uh, you know focusing as I shoot or you know using autofocus, and he came back to me with this with this uh, explanation of how you, you have to think like a, you have to think like a gunfighter. And uh, so that's where we're going to get into that, you know, the, uh, you know, street shooter versus gunfighter. And uh, I thought it was so interesting. I said, interesting. I said, you know what, you got to come on the podcast and talk about this. Unfortunately, he had a little bit of time and he's doing it. So well, tell us about that. What do you, what do you mean by street fighter or street Gunfighter versus, versus gunfighter. Yeah. Well, well, you know, I just went out west this past summer, and there, I've always wanted yeah. to go out there. Never got to, never got to go out other than the Pacific Northwest, but I went to the Southwest and found myself in in the streets of uh, Tombstone, which is a real real place and historical gunfighter location, and uh, that started me thinking about things. <laughs> just walking the streets with your with your camera in hand feels like you feel like a gunfighter. It's really wild. And it still looks like it did in the 1800s. So, and then I was watching, I got hooked on this old TV series called The Restless Gun, which is um, a mm. really wonderful 30 minute series in black and white. And it's just, just fun to watch. And the sets are great. And one of the episodes he was talking about, he, he's a gunfighter and he was talking about um, the mechanics of gunfighting. He was trying to help someone get faster at their draw. And it just hit me that that's exactly what we do as a street photographer. We, we, we are very similar. So, you know, basically you got three, three movements, lift, level, and shoot. You know, you lift a camera, you level it, and you shoot. And it's, it's a sweeping yeah. motion. It's all uh, without thinking. You just do it. And uh, the first part of that is the draw. And that, that part is, is composed of three motions. The first is the sweep back of the thumb cocking the hammer of the gun. That's I, I relate that to, um, you know, most of us to save battery life, we have our cameras on, they, they sleep, they go to sleep after a minute or two. If you're walking around, you don't shoot anything for a few minutes, your camera goes to sleep and you raise it to your eye, go to take a picture and, and it wakes the camera up and you miss the shot. So instead yep. of cocking the hammer, you, you pull up, you pull up your camera, it's at your side. I always keep my hand on my camera when I'm walking also. So you pull it up and you tap the shutter. That's that's the same as cocking the hammer. That's the first step. The second in the gunfight is you grasp the butt of the gun and you lift it clear of the holster. So um, mm. I relate that that motion is my left hand coming in. Um, now I'm shooting with a, a Leica M, but this, this really can apply to any manual focus. So you could use it on a Fuji. But my hand comes in in the second motion and my... Um, index finger, left index finger goes up under the lens into the focus cradle. So immediately that's the second motion and it's all in one sweep. And then the third is to level the gun on your target or your camera. You level the camera. And of course the next, that's the draw. So the next uh, part of that is the shoot. So you're, you're somehow your eye looks at the target and it signals the muscles in your hand where to point the camera. So it's almost an instinct you, you're shooting. And, and this is one reason I advocate a one, one focal length 
one camera, one focal length. And, and you get really, really attuned to that. You know, the framing, no matter how close your subject is, you know what the frame is. So in the second motion, the hand comes up and you shoot without thinking. So you're doing, you're doing the, 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 uh, the first motion, you're tapping the shutter, putting your finger under the lens, fo pulling focus, or you have a zone focus, which we could get into, and then you shoot without thinking. It's one motion. You're, you're shooting immediately. You're not composing. You're not framing. You're shooting immediately because you're, you're reacting on a gut instinct of something. There's, in the there's a photo in front of you that you recognize, but you don't even know what it is yet. You're just shooting. So it's a one sweep motion. And uh, it's a mystery how the eye does this the, to tell your hands where to frame, but you just do it. And that's, that's, the, that's the gunfighter versus street shooter analogy. So you don't think about it. You don't think about it. I, I have a saying um, when I was teaching workshops that it's don't think, shoot. Don't think, shoot. It's it's a gut instinct. You recognize a photo because when you hesitate, you're missing the photo. It's gone. You're watching the photo happen. You're like, oh, I missed that photo. So can so you, you do the same move with the autofocus camera? Or a camera you can do the same focus? move with the autofocus camera. Um, you you could use like if you're a lot of street shooters shoot Fuji, as you know, and I mm -hmm. shot Fuji for many years. I love Fuji yeah, cameras. Me too. Yeah. And uh, you could do the zone focusing on that also, mm -hmm. or you could, and what's great about the zone focusing, and we'll get into that more in a minute is that you don't have to focus. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's instant. Um, when you're using a autofocus camera, you can do the same movement. You tap the shutter, you level, put your hand up, you level and you shoot. So it's the same movement. And you're thinking all the time. You're thinking about that motion. You're thinking about you're ready. You keep the camera ready. You got your hand down on the camera. Um, depending on how many autofocus points you use, the cameras are so sophisticated now with eye recognition and all that. You could you don't need you don't need to point shoot and recompose like in the old days, which mm -hmm. I did for decades. Yeah, that's all I still do. <laughs> So, yeah. So the, the analogy could work for anything. And, you know, most of the time, personally, when I'm shooting street photography, it's, you know, we're not talking about, um, I, I shoot an F, F8, F11. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not worried about what's in focus behind the subject. It's about the, the subject in front of me. It's not about, I'm not worried about beautiful depth of field. I do that with my commercial work. I'm, I'm just wanting to, to get the shot and the mo the motion, the movement, the life in front of me, the fleeting moment. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, if you are trying to get beautiful bokeh or whatever, I mean, that's a whole another animal. You're just, you're going to be taking your time and taking multiple shots and recomposing yeah. and which you're not going to do on the street. And I've come to set my camera, um, on single shot. So I, I don't put it on a multiple shot mm -hmm. anymore. I just use single shot. So one or two frames and, and it's over. The, the moment's over. Sometimes there's more than one or two things and it happens and you're, you're invisible and are, they don't care. Mm -hmm. Say you're at the, the jazz fest in New Orleans or someplace yeah. like that, where you could shoot away, you know, then you, you can shoot a hundred pictures of, of some scenario in front of you and nobody cares. But most of the time you're going to get one or two shots. Anyway, that moment's going to end and uh, you're going to go on to the next thing. So, so is that, does that make sense with the, uh, the, the gunfighter analogy or is there anything, anything you want to dissect? No, it makes total sense. And it, like going back to your old 
old adage, don't think, shoot. And, um, and yeah, gunfighters would be dead. If they're a gunfighter and you think dead. you're going to be dead. Yeah. So you're, you're shooting <laughs> actually as a gunfighter, you're shooting from the hip because yeah. if you pull it up until you see the gun, you're going to get shot. Yeah. You got to shoot from the hip. As soon as it comes out of the holster, boom, you you shoot. You don't think about it. You don't even aim. It's a natural instinct that your, your gun goes to where you're sub, where you're, Mm-hmm. Your target, to where you're looking. Our, yeah. our sense, it's the subject. Our camera is going to frame that subject immediately. And then you, you may take a second shot and you recompose just a little bit. Yeah. You know what? Before we, before we move on, I'm going to forget if I don't ask this now, what the restless gun, where, where is this show? What? I, what, I found that, it on YouTube actually. It's on, oh, it's on YouTube. Okay. Yeah. There's two seasons. I, I've only seen two seasons, but. It's absolutely fantastic. Oh, that's good. That's good. So if you you're a Western it. fan, that is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, and I'm I a love huge Westerns. Western fan. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. And the black and white, and the sets are amazing. They look like real cities. It's just, uh, it's just a little, uh, a little half hour of going back in time. Nah, that's great. That'd be good, good time filler. You know, I'm waiting for the football game to start or whatever. Yeah. Put that on YouTube. Yeah, John Payne was the star, and I never heard of him. And, um, you know, matter of fact, I don't want to see him in any other series. I like him in this, you know. But he went on to do other movies and black, a lot of black and white movies. And he played Vint Bonner, and he was a, a gunfighter, but a nice guy. He, he he only fought because he, if he had to. But he's undefeated. I'll just tell you that. <laughs> it would have to be. Oh, that's something. That's something. Well, let's talk about zone focusing. I mean, there's a lot said, a lot written about zone focusing, but I mean, you're right. It's a lot faster. Um, and you said something to me because, you know, I've been struggling with using manual focus. Um, it takes, takes a lot of work to, you know, pick up a manual focus camera after you've been doing autofocus for years and years and years. And, uh, you said something to me, how you tend to, you, you tend to set it to have, uh, was it like three, three meters? Yeah. I, usually focused to? Yeah. I, I, I always recommend a, a 28, a 35 or a 50 for street photography. 50 yeah. is usually too close for a city, but I yeah. live on the beach. So sometimes a 50 is a really good focal length, but a lot, I think the good happy medium is 35 and that's what I, I prefer and like the most. So I have found from my framing and how, how close I get the subjects, it's, it's between two, two and a half and three meters. And I've also found that it's better to err on the side of close. It's better to be closer than farther on your focus. So if I'm at two meters or two and a half meters, it's better than being at three and missing. Cause sometimes I like to get close to my subject. So sometimes there's the closest person or person in the frame, if there's multiple people is, is out of focus. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I used to notice that actually, uh, in a lot of, um, Magnum photos and, and such over the years, long, long ago that, uh, the frames, the folk, the focus is pretty much to infinity, but that closest object is always out of focus because they were zone focusing obviously. So, um, but to be, Two and a half to three meters is about where I find myself. But and the reason I say it's it's better to err toward a closer focus is because it you know the depth of field always falls one third in front of the focus point and two thirds behind. So it's always whatever it is always in focus to it forever at f eleven. So which is where I shoot. So yeah, two and a half three meters for 
our fellow Americans, you're talking about uh, between what, 13 to 15 feet away? Yeah, eight on this, on my lens, it's between eight and eight and 11, maybe eight to 11 feet. That's on your 50? On a 35. Oh, 35. Okay. Yeah. It's a Sumacron, which I don't know if the scale is different on a Sumerator. So it's about eight feet. About eight feet is is where I feel. And, you know, as an American, I I know feet better than meters. Yeah, because I have to calculate it. (laughs) It's just the meters. The meters is easier to see on the lens. It's in white. (laughs) That's that's true. That's true. So eight feet. And, uh, you know, that's a... I think of a person six foot tall laying in front of me and there's, you know, a couple more feet. So, um, that's a good way to, but if you're pulling focus, if you're zone focusing, but if you're pulling focus and you're trying to do it quickly, you know, I, I like to, if I'm not zone focusing, I I reset the lens to infinity every time Mm -hmm. I always keep it infinity. So I'm only pulling focus one way. And if you miss a little bit at F 11 and you have all that depth of field, you're, you're still going to get your, your subject in focus. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, eight feet, that's pretty much your comfort zone and, and photographing people on the street. Or yeah. They, I think you, that's where feel... I frame. Yeah. I, I see the frame happening in, uh-huh. in the 35 focal length in around eight feet, you know, whatever fits in that frame. Um, I could pretty much I, I walk around my house or whatever. I could pretty much look at something and know what's going to be in the frame and then pull the camera up and I could see that it's in the frame. I just, and that's a good way to practice. Or yeah. uh, focus on inanimate objects around the city, so you could practice and getting used to it, and checking your focus if you're if you're manually focusing, like on a Fuji or a Leica or other cameras. Yeah, yeah. and as you're figuring it out, you've got to have a lot of out of focus photos. So, yeah, you know, <laughs> it's good. It's actually good. You know, you miss photos, but you mm-hmm. learn so much when you do that. Um, I think one of the best ways to do it for me was to set the camera, you know, say you pick three, three meters at F11 and you just, you just shoot, you know, you never touch the lens. You keep, you make sure you look at yeah. it so you don't bump it, but you never touch it, shoot everything and go back home and look at it and learn that, oh, oh maybe I need to go to 2.5 meters or maybe I need to go to five meters. Maybe I'm, yeah. my subjects are further away yeah. and you make no, adjustments like that. Now we're talking about lenses that have have a uh, focus range on the on the uh, on the lens. Not every lens does that nowadays, particularly with modern cameras. So the only one I could I can really speak intelligently about is using is a Fuji, which has a little focus graph, for lack of a better term, uh, when you switch to manual mode in the viewfinder window, yeah, in the viewfinder window, and I would always when I zone focus with the Fuji, I'd I don't usually do it on I do it on telephone poles. I get up to a by a telephone pole and be in the right area, and then I would focus on that and I'd leave it there. Yeah, and it that works, and uh, you just got to always check and make sure you don't bump it because we yes, we do bump it and we don't realize. And that's, that's, that's part of it. But so I'm constantly looking at my camera, kind of like Gary Winogrand, always looking at the camera there. Yeah. Checking, checking focus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When you see the videos of him doing that, it looks like he's just acts like he's fumbling around on purpose. Cause so people won't pay attention to him. Yeah. Well, we were talking earlier too, um, before we, before we went live about, um, it reminded me of a story about Gary Winogrand when we were in photo school, when I was in photo school and some friends, we, we saw a video of him 
and this was years ago, that he kept the camera up by his head. And it, yeah. it looked like he was tapping his head with the camera. So uh, my, one of my friends was joking that Gary Winogrand died of a concussion. And you know, the, teacher, <laughs> the teacher got a little upset. He didn't die of a concussion. <laughs> it was just a joke. But but one thing Winogrand knew, I think, is to keep the camera close to his face. So yeah. he could quickly pull it down in front of his eye. So that that's another uh, another technique rather than the gunslinger by your side. You got it keep it up by your face so it's a let a quicker movement from just to, uh, to the side of your face down to your eye that it's less noticeable well i like what you said how you know people with uh, video cameras of course not too many people use them anymore you know you see them walking around disney world or whatever the video cameras their eye and you never pay attention to them yeah because and, it's already up the camera's already up yeah yeah and uh, you could do that with yours. I, you know, I've never done that. I, I always seem to drop it down on my side. But uh, and then Robert Verga, I was telling you about him. We, we did an article about him in our October issue. Uh, matter of fact, he did a video interview, which I, I really recommend you you watch. And he okay. keeps his on a real short strap, almost below his chin, and he just moves it up, just you know, eight inches or so. Quick, short movement. Quick, short movement, smooth, and that doesn't draw people's attention. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And I, I normally, I'm like you, I keep it at my side and depending on, um, but but when there's something in front of me, if there's a lot of action or activity in front of me, I want to pull it up and uh, be ready for it. Sometimes, uh, this is a whole different conversation, but sometimes when there's a lot of activity like that, I become part of the activity. Uh huh. So I get in the crowd and I become part of the activity. And once you're there a minute or so, they forget you. You're just like anyone else. And then you have free reign to, to take pictures of anything you want. Yeah. You know, a lot of people, um, even experienced street photographers are, are nervous about people noticing them. Yeah. And, uh, I took a, I, uh, we had a workshop taught by Harvey Stein last summer, um, street photography workshop. And he had an exercise where you go out and you take 11 steps and you take a photo, of whatever, 11 steps away, take another 11 steps, take a photo. And when you do that, you're not going very far. So you're in a small area. And at first people look at you like you're crazy. Like, what's this guy doing? You know, <laughs> stepping, you know, stepping out these spaces or whatever. And after you're there for a while, they just ignore you. I mean, they realize you're not doing any harm, so they yeah, go on and true. go about their business. And mm-hmm. people don't. People are. Uh, this is in sales training years ago, and and they, they call it odds are, odds are four to one that anybody you meet, their thoughts are inwardly focused, so they're thinking about mm. themselves. They're not worried wow. about you. Now, if they think you're a threat, then they're yes. going to think about you. Right. But if you're just some clown with a camera who's not doing any harm. Yeah. They, and when you you're know, not moving them. like that, you stop yeah. at your 11th step and you're, you're less of a threat and you're part of the scene, just like the mailbox and the light pole. Yeah. And, uh, and the other guy that's standing there waiting for the bus or whatever, and you could shoot. Yeah. I was stuck in this one spot and there was this guy who was working at this restaurant coming and going, coming and going. First he's looking at me and looking at me and then he just totally ignored me. <laughs> I got a couple nice shots of him. Yeah. I was in, I was shooting bike week once in Daytona and I was in front of the boot Hill saloon (laughs) this past summer. I went to the actual boot Hill graveyard to look around, but there was this, 
there was a scenario in front of the saloon and this was bike week. So who cares? You're everybody's taking pictures. Yeah. Um, years ago though, this is before iPhones were as prevalent, but there was, there was something happening right in the entrance and I wanted this certain framing. So I just sat there with the camera up at my eye watching it until I could shoot what I wanted. And they were staring at me, staring at me and laughing and everything else. And then finally they forgot I was there. So I just stood there for like 10 minutes, just shooting whatever I wanted because <laughs> I, I stared them down. <laughs> so they stopped looking at me. Ha. Bikers, so there's another huh? technique. Yeah. I guess they, they had something else to turn their attention to. I've seen your photos from uh, bike week and some of them I can see where their attention. Yeah. And it wasn't, it wasn't you. Yeah. They don't care. That's great. That's a great place. That's events like that are great for um, beginning street photographers. They, yeah, you're, you're not noticed. And yeah, yeah. I went with a group from our local, local camera club here, went up to DC, Washington, DC. And so we went lots of tourist places there. So some yeah, of the DC best sounds stuff. great. It's, it's, for it's that. a great place to shoot in places and we hung out uh at the lincoln memorial in the afternoon i didn't wasn't even thinking about the time because the sun sets right behind it this time okay. of year yeah and it was just cloud the uh, clouds went away and just had this beautiful late afternoon light just shining straight down the mall towards the washington monument oh yeah that's beautiful and congress and and uh it, yeah it was beautiful and uh I like going into the, especially Lincoln Memorial, because people are, a lot of people come in there, they've never seen it before, and it's just, it's I think awesome. it's amazing, because it's, it's awesome. I mean, he's yeah, you're huge, he's 10 times the size of a, uh-huh. you know, what he was, and, and the, the people just come in and they stare, and you can get some really great photos of their yeah. expressions. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. And nobody and notices over, you. You're, over to the, if you're, the entrance, if you're over to the, I love the area on the left side, that long mm-hmm area with the pillars and look yes. shooting back toward the mall exactly. yes. really neat interesting yeah. view but yeah you could yeah there's people when you go to a place like that there's people that have you you know when you when you live there and you go there a lot you forget that people are from everywhere in the world yeah. that come there and they might have dreamed to be coming to washington dc their whole life and their very first time and they're just awestruck and the um, great what photo I- opportunity I matter of fact, this happened when I was there, and I and it's happened before. Um, there's, I know in Iowa, there's a group that flies in uh, veterans, and so they have like a plane load of them. I think they chartered a plane. They they're only I'm not sure if they're there for a day or maybe a couple of days, and they have these big buses, and there are all these veterans, and they're dressed in their, you know, their jackets with the patches and things, and uh, a lot of them it's the first time they've been there, and it, it's it can be very emotional. Oh yeah. Like uh, there was a group of World War II veterans at the Iwo Jima, Iwo Jima monument and they were like in wheelchairs and yeah. And wow. Walkers. I mean, these, these people are very old now and uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's cool. You don't want to like intrude on people's privacy and their private. Uh, moment, in that case, I would get a wheelchair and just have somebody wheel me around. <laughs> And then you're never no, thought about that. I'm just kidding. Yeah, well. You can do that, Bob. Have your wife wheel you around and you just, yeah, she'd, she'd love that. You'd fit right in and you could <laughs> shoot anything you want. If I asked her to do that, I'd be in one permanently. Say, <laughs> <laughs> so, come on, honey, support my, my photography habit. I, I need to get this shot. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, let me ask you something. Okay. Cause 
I mean, I, I, I'm so glad you mentioned that again. Don't, you know, shoot, don't think, or don't think, shoot. Uh, and I've had forgotten about that over time. But so your best photos, some of your favorite photos, are they ones where you didn't think? Well, I you had, I, not your commercial photos. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. I, I, think, I think that they have a, more of a spont, spontaneity to them. Mm-hmm. They, they have, there's something about them. They're not as composed. Um, they're not as, because I spent all those years as a photojournalist and I learned to compose and you, you have zero control over your subject. So you have to learn how with framing and location to get the great, a great shot and, and compose it. Um, so it's pleasing, um, street photography. I look at it differently. It's not about that to me. It's, it's more of a, more about the spontaneity and the emotion, like the, the image we were talking about that you shot, maybe it was last week. Yeah. Over the, the weekend. The two yeah. musicians. And there's, there's a, there's a connection in the subject and there's a spontaneity to it and there's an emotion to it. And that, that's the, that combination makes a, a good photo. That's something lasting to look at. So I sometimes think some of my street photography back in the eighties was better than <laughs> the stuff now that I'm trained because I have to unlearn uh-huh. some of the stuff I've learned. And, you know, I have a, a former f- a photo teacher that I'm connected with still from way, way back. And, uh, you know, he keeps me humble. <laughs> I don't show him too much work, but oh, you he don't, keep, he keeps me humble. And, uh, um, you know, that, that's one of the things is that the work is, it's too refined maybe. Um, so I have to kind of undo what I've learned. So, yeah, huh. I, I think some of my better photos are that are, are the ones that are more spot. More, uh, some of the best shoot, photos, some of the best photos they see are, are ones that people took right when they're starting. Yeah. Well, I had, a, I, I remember teaching a workshop in um, New Orleans and this one woman shot, she shot a picture. <clears throat> we, and I think we were in the trolley. She shot it from the trolley. And it just reminded me of the um, the the funeral train of, for uh, Bobby Kennedy. You mm-hmm. ever seen? I forgot the name of the photographer. Paul was it? Paul? Uh, yeah. Uh, it starts with an F, maybe. So well, there's keep, keep he, talking. And I'll look. Yeah, it he up. shot he shot all the photos from the mm-hmm. the train, and the photo she shot reminded me of one of those. And she 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 didn't pick it as one of her edits. I'm like, what is this? This is a great shot. It had the spontaneity had the emotion it captured these people they weren't looking and it was just a nice a really nice photo paul fusco fusco paul fusco yes if you haven't seen that book check it out yes i love that book yes and i love that the it's, fact that the, the all the subjects are some somewhat blurred because of the emotion of the train and yeah probably had probably using slow film back then and yeah color yeah most likely yeah at 1968 yeah, I had forgotten about that. I uh, I it was just a uh, I think it was on PBS a thing about about Bobby Kennedy. Maybe it was maybe it was about 1968, and a big part of it was you know of course the Kennedy assassination, and and they they did a thing on on that train ride. Yeah, it's a neat story behind that. So if if you know maybe we could put it out as a challenge to the listeners that um you know try try it for a month. Try just shooting, see what you come up with. Don't don't do your maybe go from your normal whatever your normal is to yeah. Just react, 
no matter what it is, if you think it's not even, you see, we, we make a judgment in our head and uh-huh. ch- we consciously choose not to take a picture. Um, but then you don't know if you, if you just shoot it and I'm not talking machine gunning, you know, one or two frames, just shoot it and move on and you'll be surprised and then have someone help you edit it because you might not still might not recognize it. Yeah. I mean, that photo that we were just talking about of mine, I wasn't going to do anything with it. And I, I just happened to send it to you and you go, you have to submit this to the, to the Leica gallery. And I, yeah. So I got okay. Picks. I did. Yeah. I, yeah. That's great. But uh, that's one I just, I saw them and I just, just shot it just right yeah. away. Yeah, There was something about it that you recognize yeah. it. It's, it's almost the same as the, the gunfighter analogy. You, you, you know, you're aiming somehow your eye knows how to frame and the, there's something in your gut that whatever your makeup is you and whatever my makeup is and every photographer is different that we recognize there's something in that photo that we like. So yeah. if you don't shoot, you're going to, you're not going to know. And someone asked me, well, what do I look for? I, I said, look for what interests you. Yeah. You know, what captures your attention? There's a reason it captured your attention. What is yeah. it? Yeah. And that, that's the thing. If you, you gotta, you gotta train yourself and to, to recognize that. And then if you shoot it and you're going to worry about it later in the edit, when you get home, go yeah. on to the next thing. Don't chimp after that though. Don't look nah. at it. Just go on, but don't, don't turn that screen on. Stop the chimping. <laughs> Put Stop some tape over it. <laughs> I really think that's a good idea for, for people that are just learning street photography. Honestly. Well, that's, uh, uh, photographer i know up in toronto shlomi amiga and he had a he took his uh fuji x100 i don't know was it x or tf or a t and he he made a little a little patch like out of like some leather and he stuck it over the screen so he couldn't see it that's awesome (laughs) that takes a lot of discipline (laughs) yeah uh, yeah, that, that's what he did. So he, yeah, he stuck it over the screen. And I think he used like a really small memory card where he can only get like 36 photos on the card. Wow. This is all you've got. <laughs> yeah. No, well, the clever. film shooters out there know, they know what it's like not to to look at it. And then those of, yeah. that used to, sh- I mean, we used to, sh- I, sh- I grew up shooting film and you don't, you never thought about if you got the photo, you knew you had it or you you just knew and you trusted the process. So Yeah. You just trusted your ability to get the right exposure. Yeah. And that's pretty good to easy today, really, with the raw shooting and the cameras so sophisticated they are. Yeah. The exposure shouldn't be a problem. And then that's, you know, you could do, you could practice exposure. Yep. Do that before you're out street shooting. If there's nothing happening, just go out and try it. Just test and practice and practice your exposures. And I've, you know, since I've sh- started shooting the M, I've found that this exposure is a, is a little tricky. So It is. I'm trying to learn it. Yes, it is. It It is tricky. Sometimes you look at it afterwards, you go, what the heck did I do? One advantage I have is I, living in Florida, it's always so bright out. You really can't see the back screen very well. So yeah, it, it helps me not to look at it as much. <laughs> you can't see anything there. <laughs> I don't know how you can live in so much sunlight. <laughs> so Craig, so I don't know. So what else is going on? What, do you, what have you been working on lately? Well, um, I have, I have a, a shoot coming up this week for an, an album cover, uh-huh. um, for, uh, uh, 
I guess you'd call him a major artist, but most people listening to this podcast wouldn't know who he was. So it doesn't matter. I don't have to mention mention his name, but I'm a little (laughs) nervous. He's Ah. older now and you know, we have to, we have to, I have to make him look good. And so, (laughs) but they like my work and they wanted to hire me. So I'm excited. It's the guy actually has become a friend. So that's that's, wonderful. That's going to make it even better. So we'll have a good time. Yeah, so they flying you to Switzerland for it, or you know? <laughs> no, he actually Australia. lives here in South Florida. So okay, he he lived in Nashville for years, but he lives here now, and he's the album he's recording. He drives to Nashville back and forth. Drives, um, that's yeah. a long ride. He did some flying, but he done a lot of driving. So for months yeah. now, he's been driving back and forth. So it's holy moly. He must be. It's that's a lot of work. Yeah, that's so they're cool. hoping to release it in February, I think. An album, and they want black and white, so that's great. I'm going to use I'm going to use my monochrome on some of it. Oh, definitely. How could you not? Well, that's that's certainly exciting. So you're keeping busy. That's good. Yeah. Of course, then we got the holidays coming up. That slows things down. Yeah. Yeah, my wife wants to see snow. Does she really? She's yeah, more she's, than welcome to it. She's never seen snow. So you're kidding. No. So that that's um that's not interesting to your your viewers, but she's 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 a Southern girl. She grew up in the South, and oh, that's funny. Yeah, so yeah, I hear that a lot. Yeah, I want to see snow sometime. Yeah, yeah, it's fun for an hour or two. It is fun for about an hour or two. Then the next day you get up and it's deeper, and you yeah. have to go out to the mailbox and shovel your way out there and then yeah. it's back again the next day and the next day and don't you have to set your exposure compensation like plus one plus yep one yep everything's gray <laughs> yeah everything's gray oh uh, yeah yeah i know we did have an ice storm here last year so i went out wow and uh in the downtown mall area and they had scraped away some of it so i said i'm gonna go out and walk around and see how these people can handle ice and it was cool. There weren't a lot of people out. I got some nice portraits. And, oh, cool. And, yeah, it's not uh, like where you used backgrounds. to live where it's ice is common, more oh, common. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, still getting getting used to life in the South. Of course, you don't yeah. think that's too I south. I love life in the South. I'm liking it, too. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Craig. So nothing else. You got the, well, of course, that album cover's big. But uh, any any interesting street stuff you're doing? I know you're on you're on the uh, the beach a lot. Well, I'm I'm still shooting on the beach. Um, I've decided to since I bought a printer recently, I'm going to print. Um, I I work I shot two book projects and they're sitting there and I need to edit them. So um, I, I watched the podcast um, that, that you sent me the the guy that shot the bus in Venice, the guy that shot in Venice. Oh yeah, so, Doton oh. Sugi. Yeah, I was inspired oh, by his. Work. Yeah, yeah, very beautiful work. I was inspired by that podcast. I, I need to get some, try to figure out how to get some people interested in these two projects. So I'm gonna I'm gonna make twenty or twenty five prints over the holidays or very in good, January yeah. and start um, looking for publishers. So we'll see what happens. I have no idea how to do that. Uh, yeah, me neither. The one project is, um, I, I think it's, I, I visualize a little six by nine book and it's, I photographed for two years on a little hundred year old fishing pier, which is very old in America. There's not many things a hundred years old. No. And so after I finished it, I moved away and, and a hurricane knocked it, it took it out after a hundred, 102 or three years and it's gone. 
So it's uh, I figure it's a pretty viable. I think I think it could be part of a historical society for Florida even or the Arts Council, something like that. So you ever think about uh, putting it together in a in a small blurb book as just a test, and that would be good to. to showed a potential. Uh, yeah, I did. And, uh, I've done that before with other things. Um, but then when I was listening to the, 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 the guy that shot the Venice project, Sir, yeah. Sergei, is that how you say uh, his name? Dotan Segui. Dotan Segui. Okay. Yeah. He, he won the um, uh, Miami festival last time it was live. It was he, he was there. Twenty nineteen. Yeah. He won it. Yeah. Oh, he did. Not, okay. not in 2018. This was 2019. Yeah. Okay. I think I was there in 2019. Oh yeah. Just... Which, which category was it? The multi, the project. No, it, I, I. That's a good question. I don't know. Okay, well, that's cool. But yeah, yeah he shot so that whole thing. he he just met with some people and showed them prints. I just, you know, I might. I, somebody told me that if you you want to put a book together like that, it's maybe um, it's Too better much. not to because then yeah. you have a complete vision of how you would assemble the book and everything. So uh, I don't. I don't know. Yeah, that's good. We'll point. see if anybody knows. Let us know. Yeah. <laughs> Give us yeah. some advice. We'll, we're open for advice. He shot that whole thing in that bus with uh, with the monochrome uh, 35. 35, huh? Inside wow. the bus. Yeah. Wow. He's, yeah, yeah, that's he, that's very that's a photojournalistic project there. It's yeah. Very photojournalistic. Yeah. But, uh, I, yeah, I love his work. Yeah. He's, he's excellent. The, the pier that I photographed, I went out, I shot 95 different times wow. over two summers. And it was, it's a very small, rustic pier. So it was very hard not to be noticed. That was, yeah. a, that was a, one of the biggest challenges. And I had to shoot with a 28 equivalent focal length so I could get the subjects mm-hmm. in because it's not, it's not very wide. There's some, some, it's very small. So it was a lot of fun though. Interesting characters on fishing piers. Oh yeah, there are some really interesting characters out there, and you never know what's going to be caught either. It was all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah, that's true. It was in, it was in the the Bay of Tampa Bay, actually, in the Gulf of Mexico. The Gulf of Mexico flows in, so any kind of fish, hammerheads or whatever, they're pulling up every day. Are you got any new projects you're thinking about? I, I'm still trying to find a project. Uh, I've got something in mind, but. Yeah, well, need a project, you know. I'm still hooked on my beach project, so yeah, I, I just I just love it. So I'm until I publish the book, uh, if it gets published, I'll probably keep shooting that for now. You just keep going. I mean, you've been doing it for a long time, and you keep going back. And do you ever like think, gee, I've already shot everything possible here, or do you know every day it's going to be something different? Well, that's a good um, a good thing to maybe encourage other people with it live in areas. I live in an area where there's not a lot happening. So yeah, um, I live near Jupiter, Florida and Jupiter, the Jupiter inlet is a place that I keep going back to because it's really the, the best place with activity. And, uh, I've shot there for about eight years now and I could probably do a book just on the Jupiter inlet. If anyone was interested, I don't know if they would be, but the reason I just say that I could probably, because I have enough content, but um, if you went out there with me, you'd be like, wow, what do you shoot out here? There's nothing happening, but you just got to be patient. Keep going back and keep going back. And there's always something new. It's shocking as that sounds. There's, there's always something new. So whatever town or, you know, a small town, you may live in a small town. There's nothing happening. There's always something happening. 
So I went to coffee the other day with a friend and I think I took my monochrome with me and I think I took five or six pictures. And one was, there was this architect firm. They had the, they had these interesting big garage, garage door looking doors. One was open and there was a big blow up frosty, the snowman. <laughs> and it was just humorous to me. So I shot a picture of that and, uh, I, I thought it was pretty, turned out to be a pretty good picture. Cause it looks, it looks funny. They're like, there's this building, it says architects on the front. It's very graphic. And then there's, um, in the shadows, there's this blow up frosty, huge blow up frosty looking out. And, uh, I just found humor in that and it wasn't anything spectacular, but you know, it was something. Yeah. Yeah. I think with Florida, there seems like there's just like lots of busy streets with strip malls. Yeah. And yeah. If you walk around in those areas yeah. with a camera, you look, people look at you funny. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's lots of interesting things if you know what, you know, if you know what to look for or you're paying close attention to what captures your interest. Yeah. But the people are on the beaches, so that's why I go there. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, that's cool. So, uh, well, Craig, you know what we've got to do here? Before we go away, you've got to tell everyone where they can learn more about you, where they can see your work whether it's your website or Instagram or, you oh, know, wherever, wherever else you are online. Probably the best place would be my website, which would be just craiglitton.com. It's uh, C-R-A-I-G-L-I-T-T-E-N, craiglitton.com. So I'm, uh, I'm not, a, I've struggled with social media. For some reason, my, my Instagram accounts, I have two of them and they don't work. <laughs> so I don't know what's going on. Uh, so I don't post there much. And I do post on LFI magazine. That's true. So nice, there is some nice portfolio in work there. there. And I think that could be seen by everybody. Yeah, I can be yeah, seen. Yeah, anybody can see it as long as they have the link. I'll put the link to your, I follow your stuff on there. I'll put a okay, link to it you. in the show notes. Yeah, and if, if anybody, um, and this is not being exclusive with Leica or anything, but it's the LFI magazine. It's a Leica magazine. If you if you shoot Leica, start submitting because, my goodness, there's some great work out there and you never know. Yeah, and it's just a great place to see excellent photos of all genres. Yeah. It, it's uh, very sure well curated. Worldwide too. Yeah. Worldwide. It's really insp inspirational. It is. It is. I like it a lot. I'm glad you told me about it. Yeah, me too. Yeah. It doesn't matter what kind of camera you have. Just go there and check it out. Yeah. Go. Yep. Right. That yeah, doesn't matter. Uh, LFI. Yeah. Well, I'll, well, I'll put the link in, but it's, uh, yeah. L. LFI-online.de because it's in Germany. Yeah, and you know, if, if, I'm sure there are a lot of other places. I, I would encourage anyone to submit their work if there's places they could submit their work to, not necessarily sure. contests, but um, something like LFI that would publish their work and it would be part of a collection. I, I would do it. There used to be a, camp, a magazine called JPG. You remember that one? Yeah, it was wow. It was really fantastic, and they actually published a physical magazine and online, and they had well, lots of great work. You know, a good place where people can submit work to be considered for publication is Street Photography Magazine. That's you know, right. You know That's what? I never place. You know, do one of these podcasts every couple of weeks, and I don't, I don't talk about this much, but you submit. You can submit your work to our magazine, single photos or articles and there's two different two different upload paths for it and it's uh if you went to the magazine streetphotographymagazine.com 
And if you open the menu, you'll see submissions. And you can register to be a submitter. It doesn't cost anything. And um, you can submit single photos. There's a link for that. And uh, articles, projects, whatever, there's a link for that. And uh, we get a lot of a lot of great work that way. That's for sure. And that's yeah. how we met. That's right. That's right. It's been quite a while. I kind of forgot. Yeah, maybe 2017? Oh, it was before that. I think it might have been okay. 2014. Yeah, and then we yeah. saw each other in Miami. And I, I did. speaking of Miami, I hope they hope they bring that back in 2022. That was that's a I, fun time down there. Well, I just saw something. Chris Suspect, who's involved with it, he, I just saw a thing on Facebook. Where he said they're hoping to hoping to do it again next year. Yeah, they have to oh, be careful. Great. You know, you commit, you put down deposits on venues and things and then all of a sudden and they and they're they're kind of dependent on art basil mm-hmm, right uh and then if if people aren't traveling and from out of the country to that then they don't get a lot of participation so it's, yeah if anybody uh, if they do tricky. do it and anybody's interested the weather is fantastic in the first week of december oh stunning <laughs> it's the best time of the whole year in, in florida actually yeah yeah there's, there's no humidity like in the mid seventies, you yeah, know, and when, when I was there, they, you know, the people who live there were going, "What's so cold?" <laughs> I know that's funny. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> My wife says that all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what she gets. Come up to the Great White North, and she'll go back home pretty quickly. All right. Well, Craig, thank you very much. This was this was great. You Thank know, you, Bob. We're, we're always talking. About, yeah, we're always talking about this stuff. So, muzzle it. You know. Yeah, it's been fun. Thanks for having me on. Hopefully, it helps someone.